after the big Liam Miller game today. Oh, oh yeah. Game, which meant that the traffic was better coming back from home. So that's the most exciting thing that happened to me today. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> so did you just turn the tragic death of a young man, his moralization, to a story about how long it took you to get home from work? Well, the traffic seemed really bad recently. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, um, Liam will look back with joy upon a legacy of softening Ronan's commute. Yeah, I think this is going to be the first time that the in- intro clip from the podcast has been from the outro. <laughs> <laughs> So hello, welcome to all four quarters, a one-stop shop for news, views, and reactions from the NFL. This has been an interesting week, some upsets, I suppose. Uh, we'll be talking about a few of those uh, later on, and also getting to your questions and to our reviews of the games for next week. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Ah, grand. Uh, I went to pick up the suit for one of my friend's weddings. Uh, we have to, I'm a groomsman, so I have to actually get a suit, which is annoying, but whatever. Uh, so we have these rentals, and went to this fancy place and I got the suit and tried it on it's fine I don't find suits very comfortable but I did the zip up on the fly and I was like oh, okay yeah cool and then I walked out of the thing and I was like oh there's a I haven't done the, the fly up I was like oh I have and whatever they'd done with the rental pants they hadn't stitched the zip to the rest of the material okay so you were just wandering around with your dick out yeah, well that was what would happen if I yeah they're, they're fixing it obviously so I was like <laughs> ah, hang on hang on I could have just picked this up and walked out of here yeah that's true maybe it's part of the design maybe all the groomsmen are just going uh, no uh, we're, we're not going uh, dicks <laughs> out no that would be uh, in poor taste I think ah, who knows could be could be cool I don't think the priest would approve ah well sure look apparently the priest is quite open minded he's it's one of those missionary orders. Okay, interesting. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. What about yourself, Roman? Any crack? A bit quieter. I probably won't talk as much in this one. I'm lying. Of course, I'll talk too much. <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing a lot of talks at, at, at work and stuff like that. And I would say, you know, even though this week was very surprising, I would say that our performance in the prediction wasn't actually too bad. We actually did really well in the mid card, and I think we ended up between 9 and 11 predictions correct. Yeah, not know. bad. And, we, <laughs> and I think we picked a few of the upsets as well. So, uh, not too bad. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, you, do, you guys picked Tampa Bay. That was that was a decision. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, we weren't that far off looking at uh, what happened in that game. Garbage time. Garbage time, my friend. Yeah, garbage time, garbage time. I don't know. I think Fitzmagic still got it in them. So we'll move on to some of the news stories from around the NFL. So the big one this week is that San Francisco quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jimmy GQ as he's known, tore his ACL at the tail end of the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a non-contact injury. He was at the end of a run, decided to try and cut back inside, planted his leg, and his ACL just blew out so this probably is both a blessing and a curse for the 49ers obviously it's terrible for their chances this year but we'll be honest they haven't looked as good as maybe some people were hoping they're already been hit by the injury bug with the likes of Jarek McKinnon and a few other team members down so maybe they weren't really going to be making a run anyway it's a lot of money that's going to be you know paid to Jimmy G to not be playing but it now means that uh, Beth Hard Beat Hard gets back into the into, into the, I believe he was a third round pick wasn't he? <laughs> was he? Yeah I think he was so they're bringing him in and I think they're also uh, bringing in a couple of old journeymen like Tom Savage to come in and try out so uh, so if I remember correctly I think the 49ers are in prime time or in games when there is very few games on for five of the next six weeks so are we looking forward to this no uh, no we're not we've seen enough of CJ Beathard and I hope we just never see Tom Savage play football again because he's going to die very soon if he gets concussed again big winner out of this Colin Kaepernick's lawyer yeah because Again, why is Tom Savage being brought in for a workout? I don't know. I mean, ACLs, they take a while to come back from, and people like we saw Carson Wentz coming back from his injury look not that good. Yeah. Um, so this might not just be a lost season for the Niners. This is something that could impact them next season as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it, it's actually quite hard to see the positives out of this. Now, you know, playing with Beathard and Savage is pretty much going to guarantee them a much better draft pick than maybe if they actually tried to bring in a quarterback who might win some games. Yeah, that's but, true. It's, it's it's a frustrating season for a team that looked like, yeah, they didn't look that good this year, but I think they still showed some stuff. There were some things coming together on that team, uh, even week by week, that were looking better and better, and this is a huge blow that pretty much ends any chance they would have had of competing for a wild card spot. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, um, and, you know, this is a division where the Seahawks have looked bad, the Cardinals have been possibly the worst team in the league. It, it was open for them, and there was an opportunity. I think that's just gone out the window now, and that's going to be very, very frustrating. Mm, no, it is big time. What about yourself, Ronan? Do you think in, like, is this a team that now this allows them to try out some new things with less pressure on them, or is this just a, just a negative? I think it's just a negative. The defence 
hasn't been that impressive in the early innings. Obviously, as like we kind of talked about this in the in the pre in the preseason, like there's a lot of names or a lot of interesting like early round draft picks in that defense. So they're a bit a bit weak in the, on the backside and defensive backs. And Richard Sherman is now going to be out for a few weeks as well, so it doesn't make the defense any better. And like the defense was grand, but without an offense, with an offense as inept as what we expect to come from CJ Beathard last uh, last from last year when he was in, and when obviously when Jimmy Garoppolo took over and completely revolutionized the uh, their offense. It's just it's just looking really dire, and basically the players who people were kind of excited to see whether they could build on last season, like Marquise Goodwin. Um, obviously, I don't expect him to do anything now. Maybe the only player who might benefit is George Kittle. CJ Bernard will throw it like five yards each time, and maybe Freddie Mars gets a bit more action, so maybe that'll keep Harry a little bit happier. Yeah, we had a we had a slew of other injuries around the league this week as well. Green Bay defensive tackle Mohamed Wilkerson is out getting ankle surgery, so he's gone for the season. That's a big loss to them. Atlanta safety Ricardo Allen has torn his Achilles and he's out for the season. This is just it's it's a stockpile of injuries on this Atlanta defense at this point. It's just it's terrible. Cincinnati's defensive tackle Ryan Glasgow has injured his knee and he's gone for the season. And Carolina safety Denoris Cizzi has got multiple concussions and is now placed on IR. Uh, is it IR? Is it IR boomerang? I'm not sure. Uh, with concussions, I think when when someone with concussions is sent to IR, I think there's a lot of questions over whether he'll play again, to be honest. And of course, as you mentioned, this is another loss for that Atlanta defense. And it certainly did tell as we'll look at the reviews. Uh, but, you know, Keanu Neal, Cardo Allen, both, both their starting safeties are gone. And now they're kind of, maybe some people are rumoring they're in the running for Aaron Thomas as well. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, be interesting now. Other injuries that weren't as uh, season-threatening. So we have the LA Rams, two of their cornerbacks. Marcus Peters has a calf strain. He's gone for two to four weeks. And Aqib Tlaib has an ankle sprain. Uh, they reckon he'll be at least a month and possibly more. So that's a big loss to this superstar defensive roster, the Rams. Uh, you mentioned there, obviously, Richard Sherman has a calf strain, so he's gone for a few weeks. Uh, Sean Lee, what? Sean Lee's injured? That never happens in the season. Uh, he's injured his hamstring, so he's gone for a few weeks. Uh, Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants, has an MCL sprain, so they say he's week to week, so it doesn't sound like it's too serious. And Miami's defensive tackle, Andre Branch, has done his knee and the clarity and top quality medical advice that he's been given is it'll take some time <laughs> so obviously the big one here is the is the Rams because that is a team unlike the others one might say with the exception of maybe Miami uh, that is competing hard at the moment and the strength of this cornerback group was what was going to allow their kind of their defensive line to really wreak some havoc or at least that would be the thinking uh, so this is definitely going to alter some of their plans on defense right is there CB1 like Sam Shields who has looked okay he's actually picked up a pick already in the first few weeks and maybe there's a redemption arc in there but yeah I think the drop off from like Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib two of the best cornerbacks in the league down to like Nicky Robbie Coleman and Sam Shields and Troy Hill who's like they're kind of left over at this point that's massive obviously the front seven could be good enough to compensate for it because the quarterback won't have enough time to notice the open receivers but uh, I think next week this week they'll have a big game against Minnesota they're playing the Seahawks in a couple of weeks we'll see if those teams can make if the defense which has looked so great so far has a dip or not it might be the case of the offense so explosive doesn't matter but if the, if the defense starts leaking points then they could start dropping games which they've managed to avoid up to this point going Trino yeah yeah. I do, I do think it's worth noting that they still even after they lost those two guys looked still pretty decent against the Chargers so mm-hmm. obviously like we know that they have an extremely good defensive coordinator Sam Shields is yeah I mean obviously his career's kind of been in the wasteland for a little bit but he was quite good at his peak in Green Bay so I think it's not a disaster because while the drop off is significant the level below is still pretty solid so it's not like they're looking at a you know chopping out Philip Gaines situation yeah. or anything <laughs> like that so yeah I, I wouldn't be overly worried about the about the Rams uh, it does leave them I suppose another injury would then obviously be devastating they're quite thin at the position now mm-hmm. but I think what they have is solid enough yeah no that's grand a few bits of news in the controversy corner this week of the uh, Miami defensive end William Hayes tore his ACL this week during a sack and actually I think I called this on the podcast a week or two ago he claims that he tore his ACL because he was trying to move his body weight to avoid this new body weight rule that has been wreaking havoc on the league for the first three weeks this has happened numerous times in a couple of well, the injury hasn't happened but this, this, this penalty has been called numerous times but someone was showing I think it's at the moment through the first three weeks of the 
the of the league year we've had three times more roughing the passer penalties called than in the last 10 or 15 years that they, they went through to, to check the data on. Uh, Clay Matthews was flagged again on the bodyweight rule and has complained about it. A number of other players have also come out and complained about it. I think Sherman came out as well against it. Although I think his one was a slightly different take. of I think he said... Um, they only give a shit about quarterbacks getting injured. They don't give a shit about anyone else getting injured or something to yeah. to that effect. Competition committee have come out and said that they are going to look at it, that they don't like how it's being called at the moment, but also that this is not something that they would expect to be removing come their meeting. So it might become a thing that is just... Because I think they had a similar problem two or three years ago with a different rule, and they just stopped calling it as much. So like we can see that this is obviously an issue. It's changing the way that these defences have to play is this something that we think they're going to be able to change and adapt in this year or is this going to be a year that's going to constantly see this kind of shit happening essentially it's always problematic sort of change rules mid-season for a variety of reasons not least because it's a bit shitty on the you know if it impacts the games beforehand and it doesn't subsequently impact the games then you can end up on the wrong side of both manifestations of that like i think we knew from the start we said it since the start a lot of people said it since the start it's not controversial this rule is ill-implemented and ill-judged it's not realistic what they're trying to do is one thing but the way they're going about it is just not correct it is obviously funny that Clay Matthews isn't allowed to get sacks anymore and I'm <laughs> yep. enjoying that part of it I like it yeah. but it, it's ridiculous it I'm was like, funny when it was Clay Matthews yeah someone had to go and get injured like, yeah now somebody's got hurt but it's exactly what Connor said and if you see the replay it, it is what he says it is like as he's taking him down he tries to move his weight onto his leg and obviously it buckles yeah like it's just it's unfortunate that it happened, but it's something that was predictable. And like, if we predict it, and we, geez, we can't predict anything correctly, <laughs> um, it's pretty worrying. So you'd hope that they find a way to do this, but I'd be very surprised to see a change in season, just because that's just simply not the way things have been done. Yeah, like it might just it might just drift off in the amount that it's being called, but will still be called the slightly more aggressive. Because even even on the opposite end of it, you're now seeing quarterbacks kind of play up to this thing a little bit. I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, Ben Roethlisberger complaining about getting hit in the head, where he was literally fucking tapped by a hand. And, and he threw his head back and cried out for a flag because no one can do that to Ben. Uh, other bits of news around that would be uh, Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield are now both slated to start games next week, leaving only Lamar Jackson of the first-round quarterbacks to not be getting the nod. Uh, Joe Flacco looked surprisingly good last week and seemed to have a lot of fun against the against that uh, that Broncos defense. So I can't imagine him getting in anytime soon unless they go on a serious downturn correct yeah it's more of just a, a little nice fact and also just a statement about you know you know so many quarterbacks were taken in the first round this year and people are like oh we could just wait in it and we've seen certain teams well-run organizations like the chiefs can actually make that work but i think most of these organizations who take these first round quarterbacks are doing it not because they're brilliant at you know football running football <laughs> teams and inevitably end up relying on these kids to basically save their franchises, we'll see if they can do it or not. I'm pretty high. Like I'm pretty excited for Baker Mayfield. A bit less for Josh Rosen, just because that the coaching staff they have in Arizona just looks so out of its depth right now. I don't know if Rosen's mm. going to save it. Yeah, I do love that they, like, they decided the time to put him in is like we've got like two and a half minutes left in the clock and we're behind. Let's throw the rookie in. That was that decision was just <laughs> that, that that was a sign of a desperate coach who has run out of ideas. Like yeah. it's like you're not going to win this game. Fuck, don't, don't uh, and and he's dead. Yep. Yeah. Like that O line, you, you wouldn't want to throw a rookie in behind that O line. Uh, the way they've been playing, no. like this is. But uh, it's also it's also fair to say that like looking at how Sam Bradford's been playing that you can't justify leaving him in there much I, I, just, I mean I get it that Sam Bradford is having a sad Bradford season but and I never rated him anyway but it, it's just the wrong spot it yeah. was just the wrong spot last week to no, put him into course. it and like I just I mean it seems like the kind of thing where like this this team is not good enough to compete anyway Yeah. now admittedly with the state Seattle's defences in maybe it's not the worst week to throw him in but I, I just feel like this is not going to be a good season for Rosen. No, I don't think so either. Crime and punishment, guess what's happened? We actually had some this time around. Uh, although, <laughs> maybe maybe not felonies. Baltimore have been fined $200,000 because they had too many players with in-helmet communication during the preseason. So yeah, please- a, lot, a lot of substitutions, they got confused. That's pretty much what they said happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's and also pretty much they can't like they didn't say it visually, but it was pretty much like it's the preseason. No one cares. No one gives a shit. <laughs> the, like, the high value of that fine reflects that. I think. Yeah, like that's just that's just ridiculous. The other one that's a bit more interesting is defensive lineman Corley is suing his former trainer Ian Danny. So he was injected with a banned substance and that obviously resulted in a ban for himself. He claimed that he was told that it was just normal over-the-counter pain medication to deal with an, an injury, I think, to his leg or something. But the uh, the trainer since came out and said that he's used this widely elsewhere and thought that this was an okay thing to be using. So yeah, this is just a fucking mess, isn't it? There is a list. There is a list of banned substances. Like if you're, I, I always find this really hard to believe. It's like, oh, my trainer doctor didn't know what he was doing. I'm like, give him the fucking list and let him check off against it. Like, yeah, and it's it's weird. I, I mean, also, how weird is it that like America has over the counter injectable pain medication? Like, what is going on in that country? But <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy. And this is just one of those situations that it's just like there's, there's somebody knew what they were doing here. Yeah, and it's very hard to believe this is just one of those things that just happened accidentally. Yeah, no, of and course. That, that like it's it, there is a list. It's a long list, but if mm. you're paying somebody to be your trainer and medical advisor and doctor or whatever, you'd think they'd do the paperwork. Like also, like why would you be using injectable pain medication when you can just get bubble water and that will solve all of your problems? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> right, Rowan? Yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson approves. <laughs> <laughs> Some trade extension signings, all that kind of stuff that were happening. Um, Philadelphia signed wide receiver Jordan Matthews. Interesting. We'll see yeah. whether or not he can do anything. Uh, they are very, very thin at wide receiver. He, had at the he did, yes. But yeah. It's more than he's done in New England or Buffalo, so it's true. He was he was in the news for saying that he's recently had a child and he basically said he had a child because there was nothing more to do with yeah. Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo was so boring there was nothing to do other than writing. Yeah, nothing, 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 nothing to do other than each other I think was the phrase he used which yeah, is yeah. just hopefully Philadelphia had more more of a alternative uh, entertainment uh, avenues for, for poor Jordan Matthews so next week's crime and punishment section will be Jordan Matthews arrested for throwing D batteries at Santa Claus right yeah something along those lines actually uh, one of my uh, this, this is going to annoy some of the fans so one of my mates who was out watching the football with us last week was trying to he's getting into it and he was going to mates yeah and he's going to meet he's going to uh, he's going to pick a team and he was trying to decide which one to take and he said like oh maybe uh, maybe Philadelphia Eagles said well look one they just won a Super Bowl so you can't really hop on you know front runner all that kind of stuff and I was like and two their fans are basically the mill wall of American <laughs> football and then my point was bolstered by the fact that then there was a crew of 15 <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles fans in the bar who just started yelling stuff uh, it, it was it was very good uh, Cincinnati have extended Randy Bullock two years 4.2 million uh, Randy Bullock will be kicking for for uh, for what the next two years in Cincy anyway it would appear Good signing. He's been doing pretty all right for them. Yeah, that's uh, I think what we saw over the last few weeks means that if you have a even just a decent kicker, you're willing to pay them at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course. Daniel Carlson died for other kickers' salaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there is a lot of speculation increasing around the potential trades for both Le'Veon Bell and Earl Thomas. So we'll take these in order. The Le'Veon Bell trade is quite interesting. So obviously... They would not be able to trade him until they got him signed onto his tender and whether or not he'd be happy to go and play for another team at that pay rate rather than having a longer term deal that he couldn't agree in advance of signing it, etc. Uh, the other thing that has become available is that if the Steelers, while he is, they can still rescind the tag that's out to him apparently and that that would mean that he would then be a free agent and he would count in the calculations for them for a free agent leaving for compensatory picks uh, next year. Although, according to one of the experts, because this is a, no one really knows the exact formula for it, but everyone has good approximations. <laughs> Mystery, um, bizarrely, because of the signings that they had in the off season, the estimation is that should they were they to release Le'Veon Bell, they would receive zero compensation picks back uh, <laughs> because they signed, I think, three or four veteran players. Oh my god, um, that's ridiculous! So that would that would counterbalance it. Um, so that is what's going on with the Le'Veon Bell one. We don't need Le'Veon Bell. We signed <coughs> Cody Sensabaugh. And hey. the the Earl Thomas one is that obviously one of the trade targets was Dallas, who they just played, and uh, he also got he got flagged for bowing to them after he uh, <laughs> after he, uh, he he took one to the house for them. 
now that they've played him, there's a potential for him to be traded there. There's obviously, as we mentioned earlier, there's chat about the Atlanta Falcons potentially being interested. And there's also been some rumours flying around this weekend about the Chiefs being interested in him, which would obviously worry me a little bit about uh, how Eric Berry's recovery is going. But equally, could you imagine having <laughs> Earl Thomas and Eric Berry in the secondary? That'll be fucking awesome. Uh, so what are we reckoning, lads? Like, I think we said in the last one, this Lev Bell thing looks like it's just not going to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, we discussed this beforehand on the podcast, and like you mentioned, the difficulty of it is. And I'm, it's, trading him is what ultimately makes the most sense for everyone involved, really, at this point. Including Bell, ultimately. You, you go, you trade, you play the year, you do well, then you have free agents to get your contract. But because it requires signing the tender, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, and that remains like the just massive complicating factor that, that he essentially has to trust that the Steelers will do it. He has to trust that there will actually be an offer made and so on so yeah like I mean it makes sense but there's just that stumbling block is I think going to prevent this from going ahead yeah no of course and this Earl Thomas deal now obviously Fitz you'll be you'll know a little bit more about this do we think this is a thing that only really has potential if you drop another two games or something and they feel like there's no point in continuing with the season or is this something that they might just kind of go we're in a rebuild we need picks if we can get a second rounder for this guy we'll just take it well it's kind of turned into a really weird situation because on the one hand, he is holding out of practices. Like there was a lot of talk before the game. He didn't go in. He didn't do any practice for personal reasons in the verdict comments, and basically came out after the game saying, you know, he's looking after his own value. If he has as much as a headache, he's not going to practice and put his health at risk. On the other hand, he's balling out. I think he's got three picks already yeah. this season in three games. He's playing at the elite level that we expect, practice or no practice. And so that kind of makes things more complicated, both in the sense that the Seahawks might be like, all right, maybe we don't want to get rid of this guy, but also because they're like, maybe we can hold out and get that first-round pick that we wanted all along from some other team. So I think, ironically, because he's playing so well, more teams are going to be interested, but that first-round pick, that kind of block that the Seahawks have kind of almost put themselves into at this point because they didn't take the second-round pick during the off-season or mm-hmm. around the draft time. I don't know if anyone's going to be willing to pay that, but if he keeps playing at the level that he's playing and showing that he's still Earl Thomas, he's still the best free safety in the league, then, you know, if someone like Atlanta ends up in an injury situation or, you say, Kansas City, Eric Berry looks like he's not going to be playing this season, then someone might be just tempted enough to throw that around there yeah. and get him. Because it kind of, it's almost the kind of trade you'd expect Seattle to make if they were on the other side and this was a player on, on someone yeah. else's team. But is there another team out there crazy enough to make that move? No, I know because I know I know a lot of, a lot of chat about the Kansas City one as well as the fact that they have two second round picks and obviously one of them coming from the Peters deal. It would be a very you know, almost fitting thing to then take the the pick garnered from the Peters deal to then use it to bolster your your defensive backroom somewhere else. But yeah, we'll have to see how that develops. I'm not sure if they're if they if they if they're looking for a first round pick. I think it's hard to get that mid season. Is is the main problem. Other little bits of news: Everson Griffin has been hospitalized for. A mental health issues following a load of rumours and an incident at the team hotel. A police report came out an hour ago. Okay. It's pretty messed up. Um, not from, like, he didn't do anything bad. He just seems to be in a really, really bad way. Like, yeah. um, a lot of, like, screaming and uh, aggressive behaviour, uh, paranoia, jumped out of the ambulance on the way to his mental health evaluation okay, and right. coached back in by the police. It, it sounds pretty serious now. This sounds like it's been going on for a while. The team are aware of it. And he was going for the mental health evaluation because the team told him he couldn't come back to the facility until he'd done until it. Until he did it, right. Uh, but just very erratic behaviour. Like, he went, basically ran away, uh, got in some randomer's car because he thought he knew them. They ended up calling the police. Um, had a ar- verbal argument with his wife. Um, potentially, is going to potentially, apparently, potentially going through a divorce as well in okay. the background. Yeah. It sounds like it's a culmination. It sounds like, from reading the stuff, it sounds like he's had problems throughout his life. And it's just sort of whatever's been going on over the last few weeks just seems to have got the better of him. And it's it's very sad. And hopefully he's all right. He can get the help he needs. Yeah, hopefully now he's, 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 he's in a very bad place. So he's now, I think he's now in treatment at the moment. So he hopefully is, yes, they, got him, sorted. they got him back in the ambulance eventually into yeah. the hospital. Some very dark news about the halftime show for the Super Bowl 53. Maroon 5 are now going to be headlining. Although I believe someone said that it's going to be Maroon 5 and Cardi B. So at least Cardi B is decent. That can't be worse than Coldplay, can it? Jesus, yeah, that was rough. God damn it. Oh, the black eye? Peas. Oh yeah. Oh. Fill up your cup. Oh Mazel tov. Why did? Oh my. God. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Miami uh, 
just getting all the all, all, all the meme games happening because they had a high five celebration uh, in their defeat of the Raiders. I remember seeing that live and being like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "That should be called back for taunting." It's going to be a letter to the Charlotte Observer. Are you happy, Harry? No, I'm going to write a letter to the Charlotte Observer about how they're disrespecting the game, and now my child is uh, wants to high five all the time. The competition, they have to do the high five after they score the touchdown. They do. And it's a celebration. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it actually reminded me last year of Kareem Hunt doing that whenever he was so far. Or sorry, it was uh, Tyree Kill returning a punt and he was so far down the field ahead of them, he just slowed up and high fived his buddy on the way to the end. So it was uh, great fun. And with that, we'll move on to our game reviews from last week. First up, we have the Ring of Honor. This week, this is going to New Orleans at Atlanta. 43-37 to overtime nail-biter. A huge win for New Orleans because they need to kind of get back on track. They, While they have a decent enough record, they looked a little bit shaky and they needed to make sure they had a solid base with Mark Ingram coming back, I believe, next... Oh, no, sorry, the fifth week, isn't it? Atlanta's defense, obviously... Missing a few pieces, as we discussed there, uh, so it's it, it's a bit shaky for them. Their offense seems to have kicked into a slightly better gear, though Sarkeesian not making as many bizarre calls as we were used to. Yeah, Calvin Ridley had a fucking hell of a game as well. So, when we look at this game, do we think, was this just two high-scoring offenses and two defenses that weren't doing shit, or... Is it that they are passable defences, but these are just two exceptional offences? Uh, based on what you've seen throughout the rest of the season, I don't think these defences are very good, to be yep. honest with you. Uh, and I think the injuries on Atlanta really took their toll during that game. Like, in overtime, the Saints got the ball and spent nearly eight minutes just marching down the field, and it did not look like Atlanta could stop them. Throughout the whole game, it was just back and forth. Like, this New Orleans defence... Really showed something last year, and I think we were all very excited coming in to see if they could keep it going. And mm. they have reverted to peak Rob Ryan form. They are lost, absolutely lost. And we've seen it even in the games earlier this season, even against the Browns. They they could not contain an even halfway competent offense. And as it is, when they turn up against like a, a good offense that suddenly found its feet, and Steve Sarkeesian makes has swallowed his pride and seems to accept what he's doing wasn't working. And Matt Ryan is able to throw all over them five touchdowns, three hundred seventy four yards. Like that's crazy numbers. Yeah, that's like Pat Mahomes numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we reached this day. Yeah. I mean, like, the the run defense of both teams was decent, but the secondaries were just trash. And it's, again, you look at it, and it's it's the same thing I look at when I look at the Chiefs now, and what I said about the Chiefs beforehand, is that this team, these teams both are going to be able to, like, in these kind of games, they're going to be boat racers, they're going to be able to outscore chunk teams, then they're going to come up against teams with good defenses, and they are going to be handled. And we saw it happen to the Saints against the Cleveland Browns. We saw it happen to the Falcons to an extent against the Panthers. This kind of play isn't sustainable. This is something that might get you to the playoffs, but will not get you deep through the playoffs, particularly when you consider the standard of some of the defenses in the NFC. Like, obviously, you've got against the Rams defense. What do you think is going to happen? It's not going to look good. So it's a fun game, great game, really enjoyable. These offenses are so fun to watch. They have incredible talents in the emergence of Calvin Ridley. We're seeing a great season out of Mike Thomas. Both these quarterbacks, when they get going, are we know what they can do. But... Yeah, I just these teams right now scream at me as like first round exits from the playoffs unless they can get their shit together. Yeah, because I was gonna say, it's like we said. Obviously, the Atlanta defense seems to be more to do with the fact that they're missing some pieces and maybe they can scheme around that. And this New Orleans defense last year started, I think, the first five or six games terribly and then rounded into form really into the back end of it. Are these thing? Are, are these defenses? things that you think are fixable for them to be able to do those kind of run at the back end or are these just teams who are not going to be able to, to turn it around and are going to have to rely entirely on their offense? You know, I mentioned it last week and it was a situation that they got better as the season went on. So obviously there's a little bit of hope there that Dennis Allen can kind of turn things around and make the, the, the exchanges. But of course the problem is, is that obviously that makes sense last season because obviously he was a new defensive coordinator, a new defensive the system you know this is a year later you have most of the same key pieces you know you're still bringing out cam jordan he's still doing pretty good marshall Lattimore, you know seems to have taken a step back this season but obviously he had an, an amazing rookie season and some of these guys that they would have hoped maybe would step up a bit like sheldon rankins or the rookie marcus davenport or alex okaford in terms of getting the, the like having alternative pass rush haven't really got it done so i'm not willing to just sit, like predict now that the Saints defense has reverted full hog for the rest of the season to Rob Ryan style but I think at this point you do have to be incredibly worried about it and of course the big problem with this 
is that like last season the combination of that run game and the and like the above like expectations defense meant that some of the pressure that had been put on Drew Brees for years had finally been taken off his shoulders. And yet this year we're back to the old situation that we had for so many years where Drew Brees is basically being expected to win every single game by himself. Like he, you know, he's in his late thirties. He shouldn't be throwing for nearly four hundred yards. He shouldn't be expected to pull this entire team. And even though Michael Thomas, if you're his fantasy owner, are delighted to see him back to his like ridiculous numbers again, this isn't a sustainable offense, as Harry alludes to. And with Drew Brees, you do, you're, you're always worried with these older quarterbacks that you know the cliff happens very suddenly, and that cliff is just so much more likely to happen, even in you know the dome conditions you get in New Orleans, if you just run these people into the ground. I think it's been several occasions in the last few years where Brubies has looked a bit tired at the end of seasons and hasn't quite had the same zip. Um, if they keep doing this, we could see that all over again, and that could be a problem when you get down to the business end of the season. Yeah, no, of course. So as we say, two very exciting-looking offences and two teams that have the pieces if they can just start to figure out what they're doing wrong schematically on defence. So a lot of hope for them moving forward. The neutral zone this week is New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns, 17-21. to Baker Mayfield ends a losing streak of 635 days and 19 games. Browns fans crazy in the streets unlocking all of the coolers of Bud Light that have been placed around the town in dilly, a, pro- in a yeah, promotion well, quite a while back that they send they place them all around town coolers and they lock them up and they said we will unlock these when Cleveland wins a game and finally they're all drinking out of date beer uh, <laughs> 21 year old Sam Darnold had a so-so day some good bits some bad so there's questions over whether the Jets should be feeling great about him, but we will say part of that probably stems from the fact that this Cleveland defense seems to be very fucking legit. They are just shutting teams down. They're picking them off left, right, and center. The only problem is that they <laughs> they spent most of the last two games, three games on the field. They need to be able to get off there a little bit more. So do we think this is something that Cleveland can build on, or do we think this was Cleveland getting their win against a... Because it is a rookie-helmed New York Jets team that we don't have the world's highest expectations for. I think you should be really excited if you're a Cleveland Brown fan. And I know we've had plenty of false dawns with this team over the last, well, decade. <laughs> but Baker Mayfield, he didn't score a touchdown uh, when he came on in the second half. And, of course, we should mention like Terod Taylor went down with, I think, probably expected to be con- like concussion. Mm. Obviously, it's incredibly sad that this happened to happen because of an injury happening to him and Hugh Jackson's and kind of been forced but there's no doubt with Baker Mayfield it raised the fans it raises the atmosphere but I think the big thing that they saw is a quarterback who was decisive I think the biggest problem with Terod Taylor throughout the first few weeks is that he just held on to the ball he tried to run the ball and he's too just too predictable I think if you if you're if you had a, if you're put Terod Taylor he's like you know I think the move the sticks podcast called him a trailer if you surround him with sufficient talent and have a good running game and a good defense Terod Taylor is fine but if you need someone who's going to push this team forward and like make that offense move, Baker Mayfield looks like a far better candidate for that. He was making throws into tight windows. He was willing to put his life on the line. And with that two-point conversion, you saw a player who's willing to kind of, you could do some sexier things with him, some kind of trick plays and stuff like that. And if you combine that with the kind of 98 yards for Carlos Hyde, suddenly you have an offense brewing here. Mm. And with that defense being so good for those first few weeks, suddenly you have what is not just, you know, a, a, a serviceable team, but potentially a good team. And obviously in an AFC, which where the wildcard spot's always up for play, and in an AFC North, which isn't exactly heaving with talent at the moment, maybe the Cleveland Browns have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. Too early? Could well, do, could well do, could well do. I must say as well, though, like even before the injury to Terod Taylor, he was not performing too well. I think he was 4-14 or something. He was... He just wasn't getting anything done, really, at all. Now, part of that probably sits with the New York Jets defense, who have had pretty good performances as well for the last while. They've got Darren Lee, Avery Williamson, Jamal Adams, a few players like that coming in. Like, if you're a Jets fan, you've also got to be, in a similar vein to the Browns, you've got to be looking at going, well, we've got some pieces coming together here. We've got a rookie who's got a bit of promise. Like, from a Jets fan's perspective, what do they take from this? Other than a, a loss. You asked me to put myself into a position of immense sadness there. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's, see, the Jets are in a weird spot. Like, it's, it's, you know, the defense looks promising, certainly. Uh, but we should be expecting that. Like, it's the whole point of Todd Bowles. Hmm. And it's taken him a little while to get that right, but it seems like it's coming together now. Darnold, uh, the week one hype was there, but now he's getting exposed. He doesn't look like he's quite there yet. He's not in a complete, like, 
horrible situation like Rose in Arizona, so he'll probably be fine coming out of this season. He's not going to get killed. But I think his his shortcomings were pretty brutally exposed by that Cleveland defense. And it's not only the fact that he had two turnovers and he struggled. He had less than 50% pass completion. Like, yeah. he really showed that he can't win the game by himself. The run game was, as expected, highly mediocre. I think I had, like, overall average about less than three and a half yards of carry between mm-hmm. the two running backs. So, yes, the defense is coming in, but we're seeing... This team needs a way to move the ball effectively. It needs something that can it can pull out because again, it's like oh, you know, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, they're not that good, and we saw that again today. Like they're perfectly serviceable players, but you need somebody who can do bring that X factor on the offense. But, but like you're saying, there was, there was a lot of errant throws as well. Like it they wasn't he, he didn't have his sub fifty percent just because his, his receivers weren't catching. No. It was like they were but, balls thrown to space. I think that's but I think that's part of the same problem. Like, like there's nobody on this offense who's going to blow games wide open and this Jets team is going to be I think very frustrating this season because they're going to be in close games because their defense is decent and because they do have some off, some some weapons on the offense but when it comes down to it and it's like do you have a difference maker on this team right now they don't and obviously the hope is that Sam Darnold will grow into that role and you know what maybe he will it's three games into his career it's way too early to tell but I don't think we're going to see it this season the thing is though that Bowles who was a guy who was very much on the hot seat has I think even based on this games that they're not winning is definitely unless the season goes horribly wrong from here has bought himself another year or two to get this project right because there are the there's the genesis of something here in New York yeah. but it's yeah. the Jets still fucking I, I think it's important to note like you know both of these are rookie quarterbacks but like Baker Mayfield was someone who started for I believe four years for two or three different teams loads of experience loads of snaps at college I think Sam Darnold was only a, a starter 13 game a starter I think or something yeah so and obviously he's only 21 years old. So obviously both of these are rookies, but in terms of their knowledge of the of playing football, of being a quarterback, it's completely different. Yeah. I think obviously the Jets when they drafted Sam Darnold, they saw that potential, that upside, and obviously there's gonna. I think they expected there was gonna be some issues here, and I don't think it's like the Mayfield situation where Cleveland kind of wants him to to take control of that team straight away. I think Sam Darnold that is a more than one year thing, but the upside is so promising they're willing to take that risk. Yeah. No. Of course. Uh, we'll move on to the dumpster fire and we decided this week to do a kind of a surprise dumpster fire quick uh, like a speed round because um, there were so many odd and terrible results uh, we just wanted to discuss a few of them because most of them are based on the failure of one or both teams so we'll fly through these as quickly as we can Tennessee at Jacksonville 9-6 to six. <laughs> like one of, the, one of the lads we were watching the game with was just saying oh great it's a rugby score like no touchdowns no offense terrible quarterback play Bortles was like four, four and a half eight, or per attempt. Mariota was five and a half yards per attempt. The uniforms looked terrible. The oh my gosh! Defenses yeah. were so bad. okay, I suppose, but it's not like they were going up against <laughs> much. Didn't much to work with, yeah. Like this was just a god awful. I saw very little yeah, of this so game, and I'm very happy. The problem with this game was nine to six. It's like the nicest score, but reversed. This was the most horrible game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was ugly, and it, it, it's the Jags, same as last season. Good week, bad week. Like. Yep. Inept, absolutely inept. This team, for all it's like, oh, the Jags have a great record without Leonard Fournette. Like, they need Leonard Fournette back. Blake Bortles cannot be relied on week after week to win games by himself. Neither can Marcus Mariota for that mm-hmm. matter either. Look, God knows the two headed monster of him playing Gabbard at quarter. I don't Jesus know what's going on. This is a horrible game. Somebody had to win, I guess, but a tie would have been justified. It was ugly to watch in the sense it was bad football, but like the uniform was in a shout out. Baby blue versus teal on a bright, like sun scorched field. You could barely tell them from the background, you could barely tell them from themselves, and I don't know who I don't know if the person who's in charge of uniforms over there is colorblind or something. <laughs> Buffalo, Minnesota. What the fuck was this game? Like just loads and loads and loads of blitzing. I was I just I just don't get it. This Buffalo was the worst team in the league. Minnesota are definitely a contender. Twenty seven to six. Like we we honest to God didn't think this was a genuine game when we were watching because it was just like it wasn't on any of the screens beside us and we were just looking at the updates going no that, that has to be has to be some kind of technical error here Minnesota weren't able to get anything done Buffalo did this without Shady McCoy playing is it just that Minnesota looked past this game it it was weird like basically like to be fair Buffalo got most of those points by basically getting turnovers. And basically having good, great field position very early on, and like they did most of their damage in the first quarter. It was pretty much over by like halfway through the second quarter. Josh Allen, with the with what he had to do in terms of getting points early on, he was willing to put his body on the line. Yeah, I saw that actually. That was that was quite cool. 
looking like the kind of white Cam Newton maybe that Buffalo was expecting Whoa. or not. Maybe PFD Commander was expecting it. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I think the Bills, they got out to an early lead and they, they, they just like shoved themselves. They sat on top of Minnesota and Minnesota couldn't get up for the entire for the entire game. They were knocked out within the first four quarters. It's just like, uh, the NFL, it's fucked up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like Kirk Cousins had the... Kirk Cousins had like a huge completed. It was like forty of his fifty-five passes were completed. But he yeah. like sub three hundred yards and a couple of three turnovers. I think from him as well. A couple of fumbles and nuts. Like the, I watched. I did actually have the displeasure of seeing a bit of this game, and it was weird. Like it wasn't that the Bills were great. It's actually funny. The Bills fans are like nobody's giving us any credit for this win. And I'm like the Vikings were garbage like actual garbage they could it's like they came in and just weren't aware that Josh Allen is going to run around a lot because he's not very good at passing like they seemed completely stunned by the fact that Buffalo were turned up to play football and now we know that this was the Bills came in with one thing they did very well they obviously the Vikings O-line is extremely depleted and has looked bad and they tore them to pieces with the amount of blitzing and pressure they did and after they went down a couple of touchdowns the Vikings just seemed to go Oh, and just gave like they just looked defeated. Yeah, I think possibly because I think they are on the Thursday night game this week. So they I are. think I think the idea the idea that they were have a short week to then play the LA Rams, who and they have to travel to them. We think they're probably one of the top contenders in the NFL. I think everyone thinks that. Uh, that could very easily be that they just didn't consider this game anywhere near enough. The issue is though is that like the lack of effort was startling, given that that's happening. Why would you leave the starters in the second half? Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, next up, New England at Detroit. <sighs> New England's slightly known for being wobbly in September, but this looks very, very wobbly. Josh Gordon wasn't playing because his hamstring was still injured, but like the New England defense looked slow. The offense looked sloppy. They just never really got off to it. Detroit looked pretty good. They've had their first 100-yard rusher since 2013. It resulted in a 10-26 win, and New England fall to 1-2, and two, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I could have rushed for 100 yards against that uh, <laughs> Patriots defense. And let me tell you, I can't rush for 100 yards against nobody I'm extremely unfit like this was embarrassing this was actually embarrassing for New England and like 3-3 and outs and again it just seemed like teams gave up after a certain point like 3-3 and outs to start the game couldn't get anything going like Bill Belichick is a genius but if you have no linebackers no defensive backs no wide receivers and apparently no running backs despite having 700 of them on the roster you can't win a football game like we nothing and like, there's something wrong with Rob Gronkowski at the moment there actually is Brady isn't throwing to him a lot there's something going on there that yeah. we're not seeing he has struggled this season I don't know if it's nagging injuries or something's going on with the scheme or maybe it's like Bill's doing some weird punishment thing on him like he did with Malcolm Butler for throwing a strop when they tried to trade him something just looks completely off yeah. in New England and I'm, I'm not sure what the fix is like this was a, a game against a bad team the Lions played well fair play to them but didn't look amazing this was just New England which is a complete mess on both sides of the ball Donald Hightower who we needed back to save that defence looks he's fucking Eddie lacy himself he's humongous yeah he's clearly way too big for his frame and he's a big boy so this is really concerning and New England need to sort something out or else it's going to get torn apart by teams who are like hey what if you run the ball to the outside because all their linebackers are slow and fat yeah I wonder if I wonder if uh, anything interesting will be coming up for them in the next week uh, Green Bay at Washington uh, Aaron Rodgers looks to be falling apart right in front of our eyes uh, he's hobbling around trying to play the game the Washington team looked to play quite well Adrian Peterson had 120 odd yards and some touchdowns their their defense actually looked very good in this game now obviously uh, their line held up some of that was probably due to the injury that happened to uh, Wilkerson but like yeah to be honest it was it was a bit of a surprise but then when you were watching how the game was going I think you kind of saw oh yeah they're a bit deficient here and they don't have strength here and oh Aaron Rodgers can't walk yeah, like Aaron Rodgers, I think his hamstring now has an issue as well. He had a twinge or something during the game. He's obviously picking up more knocks as time goes on. Obviously, that's not going to get more fun as the season goes on. On the Mazungu side, they're kind of like they kind of remind me of those kind of mediocre Vikings teams where it's like if Adrian Peterson does well, they do well, but they have literally no one to catch the ball except for the tight ends. Alex Smith seems to reverted to the most boring version of Alex Smith that we had in Kansas City and it'll win them games. It'll probably end up at eight and eight, which is pretty much more or less where we expect it to be. A mediocre team with a rejuvenated Adrian Peterson 
not that much to get excited for. But hey, they win games. That's nice. Yeah, so 70-31, to 31 and this Green Bay team is going to just be dependent on Rodgers getting a bit more healthy. Uh, I would have said that this might be the perfect game to uh, sit him in, but given what happened last week, they're coming up against Buffalo, so maybe that's not the smartest thing. Well, I, I mean, look at Buffalo. Apparently, you're good now. Yeah, so that's <laughs> like, this. This was another game, though, where like Rodgers was clearly struggling, clearly unhealthy. They were down 28 points to the half. It's like... Bench him. Mm. Let the rookie, let, not rookie, but he might as well be. Let Deshaun Kaiser come in and get beaten up for a bit. Like this yeah. is this is pointless. Yeah, this is pointless. Oh, and just one, one aside that uh, throwings are not going to discuss the game particularly, but uh, at the end of the Indianapolis Colts game, they decided to throw a uh, hail mary pass and decided that they didn't want Andrew Luck to throw it, so they brought in Jacoby Brissett for it. One because dude has a whip, even though it's maybe not the most accurate whip in the world, but uh, it does make you question like. Does that mean that they don't think Andrew Luck is 100%? And if he's not 100%, should they really be playing him like this? Full stop, given that it was playing him injured or not 100% that resulted in him disappearing for the bones of two years. So yeah, just lots of bad, weird shit going on. Slight little code of that. Uh, Jacob Brissett has such a cannon for an arm that he overthrew the helmet. <laughs> he overthrew a, like a 16-yard <laughs> helmet. Like, you know, you have like a puppy or something who's like really excited. You just put them out there and he's like, uh, just fucking throw it off the... Yeah, I was throw it over the dang mountains, like yeah, full on. Uh, what's it called, Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to some questions from you, the listeners. So this one comes in from Emmett, and he says, "Was six to nine the most Tennessee versus Jacksonville score imaginable?" No, I think four to six, <laughs> uh, where everything is scored via safety. That would be pretty impressive. Would that be a scoregami one? I don't know if that's scoregami. I, I think that probably would be. Yeah, it would probably have to be. Yeah, unusual yeah. score. Although the thing is, I suppose, because one of them is... Si- I think you're more likely to get 4-4 four, four scoregami than 4-6. Uh, for, for, for listeners who don't know, scoregami is whenever you have a score that has never happened beforehand in the record books. Next up, we also have a question in saying, there are currently two teams in the league that are outscoring the greatest show on turf and on pace to beat them. Those are the Rams and the Chiefs. This question coming from Connor Kelly. Yeah. No, unfortunately it's not because uh, I would have just left the Rams off that entirely. But teams, who do you think is most likely to be able to try and tackle that scoring record for the season? To be honest, I think both of them have a chance. I don't think either of them do, realistically. Um, see what I said about the Chiefs regarding what happens when they run into good defences. I don't think the level of scoring is sustainable. Uh, I don't think the level of scoring is sustainable anyway for offences. And for the Rams, yes, but it's not like they've gone up against like killer defences yet themselves either. I think we're going to see a natural drop-off. People get more tape. People get more understanding of how the team plays. You know, you get into the defensive versus offensive arms race, and we do often see teams that start really hot fade off throughout the season. So I wouldn't bet on either of them. But if mm-hmm. I had to pick one at this point, I'd go with the Chiefs. Yeah. See, I'm just looking at it. So, like, we do have a couple of bad defences in play, but, like, so... The, the Jags are going to be a tough game. I wouldn't say the Pats are at the moment defensively against it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Browns, I think, would be pretty decent. And the Rams. But like we've got games against the Cardinals, a couple of games against the Raiders. Uh, the Ravens would be a pretty decent defense as well. But like, it but all yeah, comes like, against a backdrop where people, you know, obviously the body weight rule, a lot of talk about people complaining that the, there's no defense in the NFL more. It's going to become like college football. I'm willing to tolerate for now. Uh, yeah, for the moment, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. So yeah, as I was uh, firing your questions on Facebook or Twitter or whatever else you want to send them in on, and we're going to move on and have a quick look at the games for next week. So first up, we have Thursday Night Football. We have Minnesota Vikings traveling to the LA Rams, and we've gone for the LA Rams across the board. Uh, Fitz, you want to tell us briefly why that is? Yeah, like I think, obviously, the Rams losing their two top quarterbacks, obviously, that adds a little bit of uncertainty. If that wasn't happening, it would be like, heavy favorites but Minnesota like the last two weeks you know they have a good game against Green Bay they have a good comeback more I could say with a poor first half then they get blown out by Buffalo I think it would be fair to say we have no read on them whereas mm-hmm. our read on LA is that they're a well coached team with talent all across the all across every level of that team um, so we expect at home that they will do the job and, and put away Minnesota yeah. uh, but at this point I don't know what will happen to be yeah to be honest and I think, I think that's that's a big factor as well like even if Minnesota and the Rams were kind of sitting kind of less injury imbalanced I'd say we'd be probably looking at like on a Thursday night, always favor the home team. That's always what they advise, mm-hmm. especially as Minnesota have a bit of traveling to do. Houston at Indianapolis. Uh, we've gone for Indianapolis across the board, Harry. Yeah, see, South is bad again. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah, time to be alive. Houston, Houston are a mess at the moment. That O-line is... 
Let's bring back uh, pleasant memories of last year for Indianapolis fans. I think, <laughs> yeah, uh, they cannot they cannot stop anything getting to the quarterback right now. And Marcus Hunt is apparently a thing now. So yeah, I'm yep. gonna go with Indy on this one. Hundred percent. Buffalo, Green Bay. We're going for Green Bay across the board. Just like I, uh, it's, uh, Green Bay at home. Buffalo, even though they had a good game last week, like are not a good team. Full stop. I don't care what they say. Uh, <laughs> Green Bay are messy but as long as Rodgers is playing I'd expect him to be able to get it done uh, they have a much more explosive offence uh, when you know he's he's even halfway healthy so I'd imagine they'd be able to do it at home Buffalo just to regress back to where they should be uh, next up is Ronan's pick of the week Tampa Bay at Chicago Bears I've gone for Tampa Bay and you've gone for the Bears and so has Harry so Fitz yeah I think this is probably a game that before the season's perhaps picked as an exciting game but probably two of the most intriguing teams in the NFC right now obviously you have Tampa Bay getting off to an incredibly hot start Nipple last hurdle against Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football but still showing that kind of offensive output that we expect uh, when trying to bring like a furious comeback back obviously Chicago the offense uh, Mitch Titty isn't exactly uh, blowing the world away but they do have Jordan Howard who's off to a, a pretty good solid uh, start to the season and their defence is absolutely annihilating teams at the moment well it probably actually Khalil Mack is absolutely annihilating teams at the moment and racking up absolutely ridiculous statistics in what is overall a pretty good defensive group Khalil Mack is just absolutely fucking world defeating at the moment so you have a team which has uh, and a, a really good offense in Tampa Bay and of course there's the additional intrigue about Jameis Winston is now officially available to play for Tampa Bay whether he'll play in this game but obviously even if he isn't playing this game that's going to be a major conversation unless Ryan Fitzpatrick you know, is winning loads of games mm-hmm. uh, uh, or continues to win games like this but in Chicago you have that defense can it stop this juggernaut of an offense uh, get enough interceptions to stop them and can Mitch Titties score some touchdowns and get that offense going. I think we're all a bit. We don't really know what's going to happen. It should be an exciting game. Two interesting teams, and it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to form into uh, a potential postseason push for either team. No, of course, uh, Khalil Mack and uh, Ryan, Ryan Fitzmagic will collide and just combine into a singular yeah, meme. We, we both know that the Bucks are going to start Winston and get hammered. Oh god! Well, actually, we we almost be worried that if they start Winston just to have him like killed on the fourth <laughs> play by Mac, and like, well, that's that sort of for us. Uh, next up, we have Miami at New England. You guys have gone for New England. I come from Miami to go for it. Oh, Miami! Yeah. So basically, uh, <laughs> when's the last time anyone be that excited to see Miami? I was only go four and zero, and the Patriots are then one and three. That'll be a hell of a fucking start to a season. Yeah. Overall, I'm going for Miami because I think. Like New England are the better team, but they are not playing well at the moment. I think they're like the 25th rated offense and the 27th rated defense. They looked slow. They looked inaccurate. Their best bet here is that Josh Gordon comes in and makes everything good, which I know Harry believes. But, you know, I think this Miami team could cause them some problems. They've got some speed. Albert Wilson is great fun. He was having a great crack at it last week. Connor Kelly prefers Albert Wilson over Josh Gordon, confirmed. <laughs> I think, I, I think well, my, my concern, well, if this game was in Miami, I actually might agree with you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's in New England. I think it's going to be fine Albert Wilson is Miami's best player that's worrying Connor mm. that's extremely worrying well, Albert Wilson is the entirety of their offense at the moment but don't they have that like uh, pedophile rapper running back this is going to be a really bad joke isn't it <laughs> uh, this is in reference oh. to Drake having a text relationship with a uh, 13 year old <laughs> yep uh, from Drake's a pedo uh, I think you'll find the uh, correct term is FIBA <laughs> <laughs> You just picked the wrong hill to die on. I do not. I do not. I do not keep up my celebrity gossip. That is uh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's weird. Um, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think I think I can understand why you're taking New England. I'm just taking Miami because it would be so fucking funny. <laughs> Miami four and zero, just tearing Although, up the AC. Ju- just to clarify, that's in reference to the rapper Drake, not the running back Kenyon Drake. Yes, yes. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just, just to be clear. Um, next up, uh, Detroit at Dallas. We've gone for Detroit across the board. Fitz, do you want to tell us why? Yeah, like I don't. Like Dallas just looked really bad against Seattle. They yeah, yeah, had a good yeah. start to the season. That's that's pretty much it. Just Dallas looked really bad. That's fine. <laughs> and Detroit won a game, so maybe they can win another one. Yeah. Next up, we Sorry. have Harry's pick of the week: Cincinnati at Atlanta. We've gone for Atlanta across the board. Yeah, uh, this is just more. I, I find this game really. Well, I wanted to pick the Cleveland game, but you'd have taken that. So <laughs> all my picks will either be Cleveland or Josh Gordon from now on. But like uh, this, uh, this is interesting because Cincinnati are a lot better than I thought they'd be. I was yeah. wrong uh, in the preseason about how they look. They even managed to, to without uh, Joe Mixon, look like a pretty dangerous team. Now AJ Green might be out. We don't know what the story was with that. Mm-hmm. We saw him leave the game, but 
this offense looks a lot better than we expected. This defense looks a lot better than we expected. Atlanta really turned around that offense. Steve Sarkeesian was like, okay, fine, I'm going to stop doing stupid shit, and I'm actually going to stop trying to force people into my scheme, and I'm just going to call plays that work for the players we have. And it's amazing he was able to turn that around in effectively a week. So fair play to him on that one. But with the question marks over their defense now, I think this game could be really, really competitive. I do think Atlanta's offense is good enough to give them an edge here. Mm -hmm. But this is, I'm picking this because I think this is going to be a really good game to watch. And we so often we call out being like, nobody wants to watch this game. This game's going to be shit. And mm. Quite rightly so. This is a game that I'm actually genuinely excited to see how both these teams perform because I think this will be a real inflection point for Atlanta coming off that defeat from against New Orleans. They need a win to get back into that. They're a game down now. Uh, Cincinnati are in an NFC North that's suddenly wide open. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a, a really... Whoever wins this is going to get a real leg up, and it's just going to be, I think, a really fun game to watch. Excellent. Next up, New York Jets at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've taken the Jags across the board. Uh, like we said, bad week, good week. This is a good week. Uh, also, the Jets have problems. Fournette might be back for this one as well, I think. But yeah, just overall, the Jets... There's some bits there, but they're not a full team yet. Philly at Tennessee. We've gone for Philly across the board. Fitz? Yeah, I just don't want to see Tennessee in the playoffs again. They're just dull <laughs> and boring. Tell me about it, brother. They're also... Oh, which shit team for the FC South? The Chiefs going to lose to in the playoffs this year. Like, Philadelphia are questionable, but I don't want Tennessee to win. That's primarily why I picked against them, but they're also bad. So, yeah. that's probably the reason to pick Philly as well. Makes perfect sense. Next up is my game of the week. Cleveland at Oakland. Uh... You just want to see the Raiders lose to the Browns, don't you? I really do, yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to happen. We've gone for Cleveland across the board in this one. Cleveland's defense looked very good. Oakland's offense are struggling, is putting it nicely, I think. Uh, their defense looks terrible, so we might be able to get some more fun out of the rookie. My only major concern with this is the fact that Hugh Jackson is still coaching Cleveland, and he's a moron. When asked in the press conference after the rookie came in and looked good for them, uh, they said, so are you going to start him from now? And he goes, I don't know, I'll have to look at the tape. Like, what What kind of fucking idiot are you? Like, that means that you are a head coach who would not have even decided... Like, that means that it hadn't entered his head to let the rookie play, even though he is clearly so much better than Terod Taylor was. Like, uh, I, I, my only fear is that the Browns will browns this up. And like we said, our recurring question every week now is, how are the Browns going to browns it up this week? I don't know, but like, I just feel Oakland going to drop to 0-4 and Cleveland are going to get their second like, win. The Raiders are more... Brownie than the Browns right now. They they are truly showing the most epic ways to lose games at the moment. I think the Raiders they've really got this losing thing down to an iron. Oh, they do, they do. Because uh, they they keep getting like twenty point leads and then just fucking it away. They haven't trailed once in the first three quarters of any game through the first three weeks. They've lost all of them. Solid, solid. It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, next up, Seattle at Arizona. We've gone for Seattle across the board, Harry. Yeah, this is a sad game. This is a bad game. Uh, Arizona looked like the sadder team right now. So based on that, I'm going to give it to Seattle. Also, Chris Carson got going a little bit last week. That's good. Yeah, that was pretty nice. New Orleans at the New York Giants. We've gone for New Orleans across the board. Ronan? Yeah, once again, I don't want the Giants to win and be <laughs> to, to actually be competitive because they're not a fun team because their offense kind of sucks. Saquon Barkley looks all right, but the, and OBJ does things occasionally. But Eli Manning's just so bad. The quicker he's out of that team, the better. And if New Orleans, New Orleans quickens that process, all the better. New Orleans also, their offense is amazing. And I imagine they'll put more than enough points to beat, to beat a shitty Eli Manning. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, San Francisco with the LA Chargers. We're going LA Chargers across the board. This one's pretty obvious. LA Chargers are a pretty decent team, even though they get in their own way all the time. San Francisco are currently missing their top running back, their top quarterback, their top wide receiver. He's back. Top oh. quarterback as well. Oh, top quarterback. Yeah, it's like they're just they're just missing loads and loads of pieces. So yeah, Chargers to win in the fortress that is the stub hub. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I oh, so close on this one. I've gone for Pittsburgh. Fitz has gone for Pittsburgh, and Harry's gone for the Ravens. Yeah, that's close on this. I just think even in the game against Tampa Bay, I just think Pittsburgh don't look very good. Like, I think their offense is so flaky. Yeah. Their defense is bad. I think the Ravens' defense has looked pretty good. We saw them even without C.J. Mosley put up a pretty, probably the best defensive player, put up a pretty solid performance last week. I just don't trust this Pittsburgh team. Now, again, this is Baltimore versus Pittsburgh in high steel. This is the kind of game that the Steelers actually fucking turn up for, yeah. which is why I'm so close to it. Because I think right now, based on performances, the, the Ravens are better, which is surprising. Yeah. Like, how many times will Ben Rothberg, like, fall down because Terrell Soak's, like, blew a kiss at him or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flag, it's a flag. Yeah, I just... All yeah. the towels thrown onto the field. I like this thing, like, I really... I do actually very much like this Baltimore team at the moment, but I just, like, Pittsburgh at home, 
Like, because I, I'd, I'd say if this if this was in Baltimore, I'd be taking Baltimore hundred percent. But I just think like they'll have home Ben in a game that he knows he has to win because otherwise people won't want to write stories about him having a boo boo and considering retiring. <laughs> so like he knows that these are the games he has to win. Um, final game this week is Kansas City at Denver on Monday Night Football. Uh, we've all gone for Kansas City across the board. This should be fun, high-scoring game because we can't play defense, but we sure as fuck can play offense. <laughs> and I just don't get the feeling that Case Keenum and Demarius Thomas can hang with us. Are there any receivers left for Patrick Bones to give a touchdown? There, for everyone in the audience? There are technically. So I believe... <laughs> so he's now he's, he's now thrown passes to nine different it? guys. So yeah, I think, I think that we have... I think we have another running back that hasn't caught a pass from him. Actually, I think we have two running backs that haven't caught a pass from him. And then, like, you know, we'll just do, like, Hungry Pig again. We'll put Chris Jones in the Don Terry Poe role and we'll just start passing touchdowns to our defensive linemen as well. For oh, the fun. But, yeah, no, I think Casey should take this one. It'll be interesting because they've got a good pass rush, but that Denver secondary looked terrible last week. So I'd imagine that they are not well-equipped for dealing with a kind of air raidy style <laughs> offense. And can you imagine if Pat Mahomes can throw the ball 80 yards? Imagine how far he can throw it when he's actually in that soft, light Denver air. They'll just be like, uh-oh. 300 yards. <laughs> you just start accidentally murdering people in the sand. Just come out like circumnavigate the earth and come back in the other end of the stadium. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's good. So any crack at yourselves for the rest of the week, lads? Uh, any plans? No, gotta go pick up the fixed suit. Uh, oh, I got a work party. That's, those are always ending oh, yeah. disaster. I feel like I have something on a Saturday, but I can't remember what it is. So it's not important. Very good. Yeah, I'm off. I've got uh, the start of my exams. So got that on Friday, so I'm off. Oof. I'm off tomorrow and Thursday and Friday, so I've got a bit of study to be doing, and then my right. first exam is in, and then I've got two days of work, and then I'm off for two weeks, uh, and I've got three exams in that period, so that'll be fun. Ugh, not yeah, often. looking forward to learning off all those mathematical proofs, baby. Ah, uh, yeah. What about yourself, Fitz? Any crack down a Cork? Nah, it's pretty quiet down in Cork, to be honest. Well, as always, hit us up on the internet on Etsy and JDate. <laughs> you know I downloaded the J-Date app once so there's like there's two people on it <laughs> there's just two people and they've already gone on a date and they hate each other <laughs> not you again this is uh, not the target market lads like. no uh, and anywhere else so you can find uh, find our, our lovely All Four Quarters branding but yeah I suppose that'll do us for this week so uh, it's goodbye from me bye from Harry goodbye bye from Ronan bye it's been All Four Quarters thanks very much for listening and we'll chat to you next week